Hello everybody, happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Aces Up the Sleeve. I'm Patty, co-hosting with the co-managing partner of Pocket Aces Racing, Jared Shoemaker. And today, it's we're going to have a busy weekend. It's coming, so we thought we would sit down. We would talk about the road to the Kentucky Derby. Um, it's pretty much prep season. We're about ready to be in the thick of it. So before we get to that and, and all those exciting, I think, prep races, we've got quite a bit of them coming up this weekend. How are you doing, Jared, after our marathon recording session for the last couple of weeks where we had Mark on and... We just had a, several just back-to-back -back really good episodes, but they were long. <laughs> they they were a little bit long, and um, you know, but that's okay. Uh, we you know how it is. We just get talking, and and we just can't stop ourselves. But um, so I'm doing great. You know, I'm just, I'm ready for the rain to stop, and um, I don't mind the cold. I would just like it to be a little bit dry for a change, but it's all good. And uh, yeah, it it is uh, this weekend for me uh, is what kicks off the road to the Kentucky Derby. And granted, there have been prep races going on, uh, official prep races, point races going on since September. And and more than half of the point races have been run already. Which is but wild for to me, me. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, but for me, truly, the, the, the triple crown season gets started this weekend. We've got four races on the card uh, across the country this weekend, uh, um, you know, it's on, all on Saturday, we've got the Southwest Grade Three at Oaklawn, got the Grade Three Withers at Aqueduct, the Grade Three Robert B. Lewis at uh, Santa Anita, and the Grade Three Holy Bowl at uh, at Gulfstream Park. So four graded stakes racers races, all with major implications on the 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 derby and and the and the trail for the derby and um just can't wait to see how things shake out yeah it's 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 definitely probably for a lot of people not just yourself but i think for a lot of people this kind of really kind of start really is when like the the kentucky derby anticipation starts amping up because now you've got like they're not called the championship races just yet but now you've got like your your the point races are starting to get more valuable. It's starting to be a little bit more crunch time. You're starting to run into some of these competitors that you saw maybe late last year, and um and now you're gonna now folks are gonna start seeing each other even if they don't want to, but they're gonna start seeing each other uh probably a bit more often now, as as the point races become a little a little rare and I think a little harder to get into. Um, because I imagine they're probably gonna start getting picky here in the next. So definitely next next month or so they're going to start getting picky. So yeah, the the races will be a little bit tougher to get into, and um, you know, the, and as they should uh, as they get more valuable. Uh, but before we start talking about uh, and previewing the races for this weekend, let's kind of talk about where we are in in the in the dirt road the road to the Kentucky Derby, and and also give a little more background into what that road looks like in twenty twenty four. Yeah, sure. So, obviously, um, you know, the, in between 2023 and 2024, as Jared mentioned, because we did have, I think it's the first one started in September, and that was the Iroquois Churchill Downs. And these are, I mean, those those were just a fleet of, like, 10-point races. But, I mean, when it's when it's juveniles, you know, any jump on your competition is, is a jump you want to take. Uh, but for the 2023-2024 season, they've scheduled 37 of them. And like you said, a good chunk of them have run already. And then kind of January 1st is, is where everything kicked off with the Smarty Jones out at Oaklawn. 
Um, and then from there, we, I think we are at the point where we are on the February 3rd fleet. So we're going to have the Southwest, uh, which is going to be at Oakland Park, the Holy Bull, which is going to be at Gulfstream, the Robert B. Lewis, Santa Anita, and then the Withers at Aqueduct. Yep. And, uh, and so where we are right now, um, we've got 13 of the U.S. races under their belt uh, that have been run already. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and the series this, this year is made up of um, four different series of races. So mm -hmm. you've got the Kentucky Derby prep season, which consists of 21 races uh, that started with the Iroquois at Churchill Downs back in September. And it runs uh, up to the Bataglia Memorial at, uh, at Turfway Park. And, and that's a series of, again, 21 races, and uh, we've run 13 of those races already. Uh, the next series, uh, you, you mentioned the championship series briefly, uh, is, and that, that's a series of 15 races that kicks off with the Risen Star and runs through the Lexington Stakes, which is three weeks before the Derby. It used to be two weeks before the Derby, but Keeneland revamped their schedule. And then you've also got... Um, a Japanese series, which consists of four races. Two of those uh, were for, for juveniles and have already run. Mm -hmm. And you've got the European series, uh, which is, consists of seven races. Uh, four of those for juveniles that have already run and three that are, are yet to come. Uh, so, yeah, I, and I'll be the first to admit freely, as I've admitted on this show before, I don't follow European racing and I don't follow Japanese racing. So I don't know much about those. Mm -hmm. you know, I can tell you that the, the, the two Japanese winners were Amante Bianco and then Forever Young. Amante Bianco won the Catalea, which was a 10-point race. Uh, Forever Young got the Zen Nippon Nisai Yushun. And I apologize for my pronunciation because I'm sure I'm butchering it. And then uh, yet to come are the Hyacinth and the Fukuryu. We'll <laughs> Fukuryu. <laughs> Fukuryu, uh, well, sure, whatever. <laughs> and then of the of the European, you've got the Beresford has already run. The Royal Lodge has already run. The Beresford was won by Deep One. The Royal Lodge by Ghost Rider. And then the Prix Jean-Luc Lagarde. I assume something along those. I, I Lagarde. Well. Yeah. Uh, Rosalian. And then the Kamiko Futurity uh, was ancient wisdom yep. so uh we've got yet to run the patent stakes the road to kentucky derby condition stakes and the cardinal stakes and those those are european races that are run in france ireland uh great britain primarily yep well and and i think for for myself and a lot of people i think it's always very interesting to see uh for for the japanese road to the kentucky derby it's always very interesting to see who ends up winning those races because they are end up being like just so competitive and and it always for me at least it's always very um it's it's just it's interesting because especially with how they how the japanese um invaders essentially have shaken up the race the last several years it has been very very interesting to see kind of who qualifies and and you know what what types of horses the the japanese connections are kind of pointing to these races um because i know like japanese racing does have dirt racing and it's actually quite popular because i think some people are are under the and it, and it can't be blamed but i think some people are under the um i guess maybe the misconception that dirt racing is only an american thing uh, but there are other countries that have dirt racing it's just maybe not as prominent to the american audience 
But Japanese racing definitely has dirt racing. They go left hand, they go right handed, which I which I wish we kind of did more often. Just swap which mm-hmm. which way we went in. Because, but that's a whole other yeah, conversation. We don't like, we don't like to change things. Louis. I was going to say, we don't I, like to change the way we do things. Yeah, I was like, that, that's a whole other conversation, a whole other podcast on why we don't. But, <laughs> but it's it's definitely going to be very interesting. And I, and I know several of the the past participants in the Kentucky Derby from Japan have have gone on to do very interesting things. Um, I think if I remember correctly, I don't remember if Ushma Tessero. I think he did run in the Derby, and at this point, he's one of the favorites on on Dubai World Cup because uh, the entries were released for those. And he's going to be one of the favorites for the Dubai World Cup night. So, so Japan definitely brings some very good horses into these races. So I'm I'm very interested to see what they bring uh, this year as the, well. The, the the Japanese industry as a whole, that uh, they've made a commitment to, uh, that they want to compete on the world stage of racing, mm-hmm. and and they've got a tremendous organization behind them, and they are making it happen. And they are spending the money. They are implementing. Mm-hmm changes they they are doing what they need to do to take on the whole world in racing and, and mm-hmm. show that they can breed and race the best horses in the world and that that's what they're trying to accomplish so getting horses qualified and into and competing well in these major uh north american races in particular are are it, it's it's a it's a goal of the industry as a whole and they are all in on it and and i I say hats off to them i think it's been good for the sport in general um we'd love to get some horses over there sometime but man they they don't like to welcome visitors well quarantine visitors into their racing yeah (laughs) i should say say, that's a little different They, but, they, they don't they don't want they don't want uh, uh, they don't want horses coming in and taking their prize money which is you know pretty solid yeah well and it's i mean it, it's also just um uh, as with everything politics touches everything unfortunately sure. um but I, I think a lot of problem for them are the quarantine restrictions which is why a lot of times when you see them come over for the derby a lot of connections make the decision to stay for the preakness and and then you know, unless they win the Preakness, most of them kind of head home after that, don't really compete in the Belmont. And that's really just for, for, for in a lot of situations, that's quarantine restrictions. Because after a certain number of time, after a certain number of time outside of the, outside of Japan, outside of the country, your, your quarantine requirement to get back in jumps, I think, twofold. It becomes a very long quarantine period. So for a lot of people, it's kind of a payoff of, okay, do we want to, to come for the Derby and then turn around and immediately go home so we are not uh, penalized and, and made to, to sit out even longer? Or do we want to take a shake and do we want to try? So I think like in the case of, um, I forget his name off the top of my head, but he was, he was one of the, he had come over to America for the Santa Anita Derby. I mean, he missed winning the Santa Anita Derby by like a nose. And they snuck into the Derby when a bunch of people started scratching. And I think that was like the first time that we'd ever had, I think, three Japanese horses in the race. And they finished something like 6th, 11th, and 13th. Like that was, I mean, for for horses that had flown several tens of hours to get here, I mean, that was was an incredible feat to do. Um, And like you said, it, it... makes a big statement onto the quality of their of their programs because that's hard to do like some horses travel great but others not so much and it's like when you when you can breed a horse that's hardy enough to not only race uh you know as as consistently sometimes as as this triple crown trail asks of them to do but also be able to ship that far because like it's what a 
15, 16 hour flight, depending where they, what direction they came in. It's a long so, flight, yeah, for sure. It is a long time. So I, I always give them credit when those, because when those connections brought that horse over, fully knowing that they might get stuck with a nasty quarantine on the way home. Like I, I put a lot of stock into it because you don't, you don't mm-hmm. bring just anything to to fill a gate. You bring a horse that you feel has a chance. So I always give them a second look because that that says a lot to me because nobody spends that money just to spend it. <laughs> Absolutely, they're they're coming over here with a purpose. So so let's talk about where we are at least with the North American rankings yep. uh, and and the, the races that have run so far. Again, we mentioned the Iroquois that was won by West Saratoga, son of Exaggerator. Uh, he ran second last out, and I forget I, I didn't write down which race he ran second last out in, but he, he was second last out in a stakes race. Uh, so he's, you know, he's still on the trail and still working and, and moving forward and hoping to add some more points, uh, in the champagne stakes uh, that was won by Timberlake. Um, and then he was fourth in the BC juvenile and has not run since he is actively working at, uh, the fairgrounds. So he is still on the trail. Uh, the breeders futurity at Keeneland was won by locked who was then third in the juvenile. Uh, I believe he's with Todd Pletcher and uh, actively working at Palm Beach. The American Pharaoh was won by, uh, I think it's Muth. 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 I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Muth. Uh, that is a, a, a horse that is trained by Bob Baffert. And the owners of the horse opted to ch- uh, choose to not transfer uh, him to a different trainer by the Churchill imposed deadline of this past Monday. So he will not be participating in the Derby, at least as a th- as the way things stand at the moment. Um, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, I'm sorry, the Street Sense was then won by Liberal Arts, um, has not run since, uh, but he is working actively at the Thoroughbred Center. Uh, then Fierceness won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, also has not run since, but he has entered in the Holy Bowl this weekend. Um then you got the Kentucky Jockey Club was won by Honor Marie, has not run since, but working at fairgrounds. And then the Remsen was won by Dornock, D-O-R-N-O-C-H, who has not run since, but is working at Palmetto's and is Mage's full brother. Yeah. Uh, so he has certainly bred uh, to, to perform. Uh, the Springboard Mile uh, was won by Otto the Conqueror. Has not run since the Springboard, but he's entered in the Southwest. Uh, and we've, we've got, got past another... performances for those, so we can yep, talk we'll about be that talking one. about those in a minute. Yep, and then we've got another another Baffert horse, Winstock. Also, the owners chose not to transfer him outside of the Baffert barn, so he will not be eligible to run in the Derby. And then you've got your only two-time winner on this, or two-time winner of two races on the trail so far. And Track Phantom. Uh, Track Phantom uh, won the Gunrunner and then followed that up with a win in the LeCompte. And then Catching Freedom won the Smarty Jones in January, working at Fairgrounds. And then, uh, drumroll please, uh, won the Jerome Stakes. And he's actively working at Belmont. Then that, you know, those last couple races were earlier this month so you wouldn't have expected them to run since so mm-hmm. th- those are the american the north american races that have run um the, the this this the the road to the triple crown has changed uh so much and seen so many different permutations and and i you know i remember uh, you know in the 90s you'd see 
uh, horses that won all these six, seven furlong sprint races and, and, you know, stockpiled all kinds of graded stakes earnings and then would run in the Derby. And they would run exactly like you expect them to run in the Derby and they'd run six furlongs like a scalded dog and then they'd stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Derby realized, Churchill Downs realized there was a problem. They had to do something and that's how this point system came about. And I, I'm pretty sure that all of these races that currently are, are on the on the, the, the points races that are all at least a mile. Yeah. Um, and they're either on the dirt or they're on all weather surface. So, mm. um, so that, that, I think that has helped tremendously. The, the current point, point leaders, Fierceness with 30, Track Phantom with 30, uh, Locked with 19, Timberlake with 16, Liberal Arts uh, 13, Nash 13, West Saratoga 11. Uh, then we've got Honor Marie, Otto the Conqueror, and Dornock with 10. And again, those those Baffert horses have not been uh, awarded any points. Uh, the remaining races in this prep series, uh, again, the four we've mentioned this weekend, Southwest Holy Bull, Robert Lewis, and the Withers. And then you've got um, in the ensuing weeks, the Sam F. Davis, the Sunland Derby, and the Battaglia Memorial at, at Turfway Park. And then that that kicks off the championship series after that yep and those races are a little higher profile they're the 50 uh, and the 100 point races for context 50 and 100 point races that's right they they get uh, a little bit stronger you know these are getting the more of the grade twos and the, a lot of grade ones so you've got those and those start on february 17th with uh, the risen star then you got the rebel the next weekend march 2nd is a really big weekend with the gotham the san felipe and the fountain of youth then we go to the Tampa Bay Derby on March 9th. There's a much bigger stakes race at Tampa Bay this weekend. We all discuss that after a while. <laughs> uh, on March 23rd, you've got the Jeff Ruby Stakes uh, at Turfway, then the Louisiana Derby. March 30, you've got the UAE Derby and the Florida Derby and the Arkansas Derby. And then April 6th, uh, another big weekend with the Wood, the Bluegrass, and the Santa Anita Derby. And then finally, the last hope, uh, it's just 20 points, but if you're, if you're on the outside looking in and the timing is, is, is there, you got, you've got enough space before your last or since your last race, uh, you might throw a Hail Mary with the Lexington Stakes, uh, which is a 20 point, uh, 20 point race on April 13th. And that shuts down the road to the Triple Crown. Uh, the, the, was it the test, the Kentucky Derby trial test? Well, it's got a different name now, but anyway, that used to be the week before mm-hmm. uh, the Derby, and that was that was your last shot, and it was a mile race at Churchill, and um, horses would run in that to try to get uh, again to try to make that one last shot uh, to get into the get into the Derby, but that is mm-hmm. not uh, that's not on the cards anymore for for prep races. So, so that's what the calendar looks like uh, going forward. And I want, before we continue, I do want to make the point that I checked. Ushma Tessero has not competed in America, aside from coming for the uh, Classic last year. So I, I wanted to correct that. I'll find out later on which Japanese horses we had last year. I just, I don't remember off the top of my head who it was because there was three of them. So, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll take a peek later and I'll, I'll remind myself who was there. But Ushma, so nobody freaks out that I'm giving Ushba Tessero a start in the derby he doesn't have. Um, he he has not, but he did, after a ridiculously long layoff, come to Santa Anita for the Breeders' Cup Classic and run fifth. So I'm still equally impressed because that's hard to do off of, I think, what, 
two months layoff or something like that. I hadn't run in two months. So I'm still impressed. So, but you mentioned Absolutely. earlier, to your point, West Saratoga re- resurfaced in the Pasco Stakes at Tampa on the 13th. And that's where he had run second. That's the race okay, you had gotcha, mentioned yeah. for him. Um, so let me ask you then, because you mentioned briefly a little earlier that, you know, the trail has changed a lot. And it used to be that, like you said, the the sprinters could, could stack up a bunch of points, a bunch of, or I should say, a bunch of earnings. Um, and the that was the old way, was where the, the horses with the highest amount of earnings... And at maybe, and I think at that point, were they still doing some of, like, the certain, like, key races you had to hit? But as long as you had a certain amount of earnings, you could get into the Derby as long as you were nominated and you qualified? Like, was that how that used to be? Because I don't remember. Uh, it, uh, yes. The best of my memory, as long as you had the, the earnings mm-hmm. uh, you know, and with preferential to grade ones, then grade two, then grade yep. three, then, then listed, and then just you know, regular earnings, as long as you had... Uh, the most earnings uh, in graded races, uh, primarily, uh, you can get in. Mm-hmm. And it just, oftentimes, it felt like you ended up with horses that just didn't, just didn't deserve to be there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but you know what? They, that was the rules as they were written at that time. And they played by those rules and, and they made it in. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, probably knocked out some horses that were, you know, potentially more deserving and might have had a better shot to win than they ever had. But, uh, but you know, it is what it is. And I, I, I do think, uh, you know, th- though there's some controversy at times with this, with this point system. And, uh, you know, I think personally, I think there's a little too much, uh, a little too many of the two-year-old races in here for my liking. I think it's, yeah, uh, there, there, there should be, cut, that should be cut down just a little bit, but I think, you know, they ba- tried to balance that out by only making them worth, uh, 10 points. Um, and, and the, and I, you know, I wonder quite frankly, I wonder why you have so many mile races on, yeah. on the Derby trail. Um, not saying that a horse that wins at a mile can't stretch out and win a mile and a quarter. Uh, but it just, I don't always know that you're getting, you know, the, the, the full picture, but again, it, it, it is, it, it is what it is. And it's a hell of a lot better than what it used to be. Um, so, but at least, you know, it's not like the European series, which is all pretty much all on the dirt and or on I mean, the all turf. On the turf when you're coming <laughs> in for a, for a dirt race. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, but that's, that's, so that's, that's the state of things. And, and it, it, you know, they tweak it constantly. They're taking this race out and putting this race in and, and, you know, there's always some sort of, uh, you know, change it seems like year in year out they're 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 trying to make it better and more representative Mm. and reflective of and and more likely to get the best horses in the race which is what they want so um now of course the this year with the with the whole baffert situation that's a lot of people are saying i mean i I can't tell you how much social media already saying that the the deal is tainted because you got all these horses out well you know what um he made his bed he's gonna lie in it and the owners are laying there with him so uh, that's that's the way i feel about it and uh so be it well and churchill has already announced that even though he has dropped all of the pending lawsuits and and all that fun stuff like they've already announced that it does not change his status for the 2024 derby so so i think a lot of owners are kind of sticking to him out of loyalty more than they are expecting Churchill to reverse its, its stance on the matter. So uh, 
we, we, you know, we can't, we can't tell folks what to do with their horses. Hmm. So. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. They, they knew they, 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 they were given the deadline and they chose to ignore it. And so they, and, and possibly racing in general will suffer as a result, but uh, it is what it is. And we'll move on. And let's talk about the Southwest Derby on Saturday at Oaklawn Park. Yep. So that has a lot of the uh, a lot of the horses you kind of mentioned earlier, including Otto the Conqueror, which for me is, is an extremely interesting horse that we can kind of kind of get to. But it, it's a pretty full field. Um, they're stacked every year. I know some some years they had to run them in in series because they were just I mean overflow. They could not fit everybody in here. But for the most part, it looks like it's going to be a pretty competitive field. Like, I don't, I don't really kind of going through these past performances, you know, aside from, from Just Steel, who kind of had like a two race blip in the Hopeful and in the Breeders' Futurity, where he kind of was like, "Uh." you know, aside, aside from there and, and, you know, maybe Awesome Road, who kind of seems to be, I don't want to say on the downward slide, but I mean, again, he is a quality Rhodes and out of an AP Indy mayor. So he has every reason to get better as he gets older. Um, this looks like it's going to be a pretty competitive field. We've got a Matoli in here, which I know um, we, we've we got, we've got a Matoli baby due soon. So that's always exciting. It's, it's in just in general, like it looks like top to bottom, like they assembled a pretty, pretty decent race. And I think really aside from maybe Charleston, which I'm kind of wondering why, Kind of why he's he's not why he's here. Like I I can understand why they want to try, um, but I definitely this is definitely one of those like like oh you might be a little bit in in against it here just on numbers alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I you know early fires or you know William fires. I mean that's 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 fine. You know you've been doing this a long damn time and I, you want to take a shot. Uh, with the horse that you claim for seventy five thousand off of uh, off Brad Cox, um, sure, why not? I, I don't. I hate seeing situations like this when you know you, you've got a horse that just looks like he's so clearly over his head and he just doesn't belong in the race. That you know, go 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 break this horse's maiden somewhere in a maiden fifty or maiden special. Uh, hell, maiden last time ran uh, going a mile. Uh, and a maiden special weight at Oakland. He finished beating, he finished 11th beating 20 links. I, I, I just, I, I'm just not a fan of this sort of thing, uh, but it is what it is. And he's got every right to enter him. And I hate it for the horse. Cause uh, I expect, yeah, hell he'll probably win the damn thing by 20 links and I'll look like an idiot, but I, I think more likely that he's going to be, you know, crossing the finish line, 50 links behind the winner. Um, and it's just a shame that uh, you're going to put the horse through that and and, and go through that uh, experience with him. But but a lot of the horses that, that we've talked about, or not a lot, several of the horses we've already talked about, you know, Otto the Conqueror, Winstock, uh, the, no matter if, even if he wins this, it's going to be for naught in terms of the Derby. Uh, you've got Liberal Arts, um, who, who won the street since. Um so those are the ones that we've seen previously. I do like that Matoli. Um, Carbone. Carbone. Uh, you know, Steve Asmussen at, at Oakland, he's pretty damn tough. And Well, uh, and it, it's Carbone. the connections of Matoli too, isn't it? Because it's, it's the Heligbrot. Heligbrot, yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so, you know, you've got, uh, he's, he's ran two times 
He broke his maiden at Churchill, going six furlongs in 109 and four, one by eight lengths. Uh, they brought him back at Oak at Oaklawn uh, on December 31st, won an allowance optional, going a mile, one by four lengths, one pretty easy. It ran 85 and 86 speed figures, um, which put him right here in the top of the mix with you know, Winstock and Otto the Conqueror. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the biggest speed figure in the race is is the one horse. Um, uh, Maycox Bay earned a 95 last out uh, in an allowance optional at the fairgrounds. It was going to mile and 70. It was off the turf. Yep. Uh, going a mile and 71 by 10 lengths. Now, you know, he had not run a figure even close to that yeah uh you know the previous two races were 69s it's like a 21 uh, point difference between that yeah. 74 at parks too yeah and you know he, he broke his maiden also in the slop uh going six and a half so he needs um, to pray for know, rain so, on derby day <laughs> so you know he looks like a horse he's a spites town uh you know not that spites towns can't get some distance because they certainly can but mm -hmm. Uh, he's out of Medaglia Dormare, so he, he's got he's got the, the distance on the bottom, but yeah, you just got to think he he I needs. I was wondering if that was like maybe the race of his life right there was the. Yeah, that that might have been his Kentucky Derby already. You know, he, he's off the turf, uh, rung against turf horses, maybe primarily. I don't know. Maybe there were some, or and man, I don't know. Maybe maybe he was an, an also you know a main track only entry. I'm not sure, uh, but. It just feels like things really set up perfectly for him that day. Uh, we've talked about Charleston, you know, Magic Grant uh, looks again, you know, that's that's one that's at least uh, broken its maiden. Then it ran third in the springboard. So, you know, it's at least shown a little bit of form, even though the numbers haven't been stellar. Uh, Willis Horton racing, um, you know, they're going to take a shot. This is a $300,000 good magic. Uh, Otto the Conqueror, uh, as we mentioned previously, you know, he's the winner of three or four races, also trained by Steve Asmussen, owned by Three Chimney Farm. This is a stun, a $450,000 son of street sense out of a Shackleford mare. Um, again, he's won, won his last three starts. The only time he was he didn't win, he ran second in his debut uh, in a maiden special weight at Ellis Park. Then He's faced a good maiden. chunk of this field, too. Like, he faced Magic yeah. Grant. He's faced Just Steel. He's faced Liberal Arts. Like, granted, you know, it was as as late juveniles. I mean, this is 2023. But it, it kind of does serve to to make the point here that it's like, you know, he he's he's faced several of these horses already. And I think people sometimes freak out when Steve Asmussen sends horses to to places like Remington Park to to get you know not not preps but to, to get something going in races like the springboard mile and you know I feel like it's the springboard know, or the, the springboard, springboard just the springboard <laughs> yeah well, no I'm saying it's a springboard that's what it is it's a springboard to other things oh yeah you're yeah, yeah. About, yeah you're going to get things going and, and yeah. it is that it's a springboard yeah. to bigger things you hope yeah and it you know and it's so so I think people sometimes freak out a little bit more than they should. Like Steve will go where he needs to go. And I think that's how it is for, you know, some of our partners know with, with our struggles of getting horses in and getting races to go, like you go where the racing is, you know? And, and I think that's kind of been Steve's approach with, with some of his horses the last several years, he just goes where the races are. 
and and you know it, he 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 gets the purse out of it. I mean, what he's Otto the Conqueror has got, I think, the highest purse number out of anybody in here. Um, and and you know, so I don't I don't put too much stock in in the the springboard mile thing. I think that's just like you said, it, it's just a springboard. And Asmussen yeah. goes where the races are and where he needs to put those horses to get the fitness in. And um, I mean, it, it's it's a son of street sense. So, uh, and he's a good looking son. I've, I've seen him in a few pictures. He's a very good looking horse. So I definitely see why they spent $450,000 for him at Keeneland September. Like that's, that's a pricey horse. So Absolutely. I imagine they bought him with Derby dreams in mind. Especially it's three chimneys. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I, I mean, I think he's, again, you got Steve Asmussen at, um, at, at Oakland, you, you got to respect that. Mm-hmm. You know, his his biggest number again, another one that ran in, uh, in the mud. But two of his four races have been in the mud. So uh, who knows if, if, if things come off the turf, it might look really, really, uh, really crazy in there. Uh, mm-hmm. The five horses um, is Winstock, uh, seven hundred thousand dollar yearling purchase. I'm sorry, two year old purchase. Yep, uh, OBS April out of yep by Solomony, Solomony, sorry, uh well yeah whatever however you say i i can't (laughs) names uh, are a struggle this morning (laughs) that's right one new york bred one twice and uh and four starts the last one being the uh the the low south futurity but again he um you know he's off the derby trail for all all intents and purposes uh then you've got uh the six horses liberal arts the winner of the street sense grade three street sense also uh, second in the, or sorry, third in the Iroquois broke his maiden at Ellis back last summer. Over Otto the um, Conqueror. <laughs> pardon me. Over Otto the Conqueror. Oh yep, uh, yep, yep. It's our first yeah, meeting. Absolutely. Yep, that's right. So, um, another really really good horse here. I think um, certainly can't. He's eight to one. I, I think that's a pretty juicy price. I, I'm going to have to look at that uh, real closely. Um, and then again, you got Carbone. Are you worried maybe before we roll into the others, are you worried maybe mm-hmm. that liberal arts has not raced since October that he might need this race because he is an arrogant yeah. out of a tribal rule mayor. And, and he may at that. Um, and that's uh, it, it's just, it looks like he's been working um, decently. You know, he had a really nice breeze at the thoroughbred center on January 23rd. He went 47 flat. Um, so he's got a decent work pattern. Um yeah, you know, but also, you know, you talk about him being, you know, Arrogate and, and maybe needing a race, but, you know, I never would have expected an Arrogate to run in May of his two-year-old year either. Yeah. Um, so it's it's possible that he's just an, a little bit of an unusual Arrogate. Now, you know, he, he, he ran in, in May, then he ran again in July, and then and broke his maiden in August, but he ran third, second, and then won, then third in the Iroquois, and then, and then he won the street since. So, uh, you know, this is a talented horse, and again, I, I hear what you're saying about needing a race, and a lot of these horses um, that are have been probably need one <laughs> might might need a race, um, and that's you know that that is what it is, but it's not crazy that one comes off and just um, you know just wins off a off a long layoff, and that it happens all the time, but uh, it's yeah. certainly a possibility. And yep. um, so again, the the seven horses, the Carbone, Matoli. A uh, common defense uh, is um, a Kenny McPeak horse. Caraconti, uh, which a is Caraconti. interesting. Yeah, I know. Uh, yep. He's, so, he's a turf sire for the most part. 
yeah, he's a you know he's a he was a Japanese horse, and uh, uh, it's interesting. Um, you know, he, he's both his both of his starts have been on the dirt going long. I think it also helps most that he's that he's out of a street cry mare. I think street cry injects a lot of stamina into his, and if if for nothing else, I think it, it's also a versatility thing because like you have for you know just on his just you know you can see the different kind of performance uh, capabilities of of his daughters anyway because you had like wings in australia who could seemingly win at any distance and then you know you have zenyatta here so you i mean you have a lot of you have a lot of a stamina injection here so i think Absolutely. that's probably what they were thinking when they saw when they had a japanese bred sire by bernstein um and bred and bred him to their their street crimeer. I think they had an idea that they wanted something to be able to go longer. So it's probably I think that's yeah. kind of what the hope for that was. Mm -hmm. And you know he's he's ran he ran twice at at Oaklawn, uh, seventy two on debut, seventy three in his maiden breaking effort. Um, so you know this is a big step up for him. He, he won. He won. Uh, Going a mile uh, in his second second start in Maiden Special Weight Company. Granted, that's Oakland Maiden Special Weights where they're running for one hundred fifteen thousand dollars. You know, it's yeah. pretty good competition. Yeah. Uh, but this is going to be a, a big time step up. Um, next, uh, the nine horse is a Bolt Dioro, uh, one hundred thirty thousand dollar yearling uh, by uh, and and he had, yeah. Here's another one that has not yet broken its maiden. And going to take this big jump up and try to take on uh, Graded Stakes Company. Mm -hmm. um, Mystic Dan is another Kenny McPeak. Um, he does have a maiden win under his belt, ran fifth in an optional allowance at Churchill, and then ran fifth in the Smarty Jones at Oakland in January, earlier in January. And um, it's by Golden Sense. Um, who really started off with a bang as a sire, but it's just kind of, kind of flattened out a little bit. He's okay, but uh, you know, certainly nothing that just makes you think. Uh, that makes you think he's you know going to be just something really really special. Not that you know, not that Golden Sense can't get special, but he just doesn't jump he's, off the page. Yet. He's well, he's he's more of a, like a the workman's horse. Like he's very consistent. Absolutely. He gets winners, he gets runners, but he's more of a workman's horse as opposed to something brilliant like a Justify, like Just Steel would be. Um, yes, just so the, it's just a little deal, different. Man. Just deals, uh, I think, of the most uh, experienced horse in this field. With yeah, starts under his belt already. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, Justify trained by D. Wayne Lucas. This is a half million dollar yearling. Um, out of an Australian he's put up some mare, big numbers, which is yeah. interesting. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, lights, Irish Lights is the, is the name of the mare. So out of or out of by Fastnet Rocks. Ought to be able to get the distance without any problem, but uh, it, most of the wins, or actually the two wins, have come going short. Going six, one of them going six furlongs, and the other one going six and a half furlongs. Mm -hmm. um, though he did run second uh, in the Smarty Jones. Um, just looked like he, he he had the lead briefly, maybe at the top of the stretch, and then uh, and then and then uh, let it go there late. So. Uh, and then finally, uh, the awesome road that you mentioned earlier, um, the quality road, $600,000 yearling, mm -hmm. um, probably has not been living up quite to what they hoped when you're spending those kind of dollars, but, yeah. uh, 
but he, you know, he did run in the uh, in the uh, Kentucky Juvenile Cup, uh, Grade Two, ran fifth. Uh, you know, after winning his debut at LSU the Jockey Club, August the Jockey Club. Sorry, yep. So um, that that is the field there. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see because we had we had discussed this kind of briefly on on when Mark was here. I think during the availability episode and also during like what like the preview episode, he discussed that for you know for some horses that develop very quickly and get going very quickly that that some of these juvenile races might be their Kentucky Derby. So it'll be interesting to see kind of who takes that that really big step forward because you know we talk about oh you know well we're nervous about this he hasn't shown much as a juvenile but it's like you know as we kind of rehashed on our own podcast uh horses change a lot like they'll change a lot from you know late late fall of their two-year-old season to to kind of the mid-spring of their three-year-old season they change very quickly and they change a lot so it'll be very interesting to see kind of who who maybe steps forward out of this group if I mean, maybe none of them do, but it'll be interesting to me to see who steps forward out of the group where we were kind of a little on the fence about them. We're like, well, we don't know kind of what we're, what they're going to do here, and and who kind of had essentially their their Kentucky Derby season in their late two year old year because I mean that does happen sometimes. So I I will be watching this race with with great interest because this this is going to be a very interesting race for me. I do think. you have a pick for this race? I. I honestly, I think I'm going to go with, with Otto the Conqueror. I just, he's, I, I am also a big fan of Street Sense. I really like Shackelford in his time on the track and the, and the, you know, his, his daughters seem to impart some, some, some degree of, of just a really good mental toughness onto their offspring, which you can kind of see here. Cause he's, he's slugged it out now twice in a duel and he's come out on the winning end both times. Um, so I think... I think I'm gonna go with with Otto the Conqueror. I think he's got every every reason and and every excuse, I guess, to to keep improving and to keep getting better. And you know, it, it's hard to it's hard to knock a horse that's on a three race win streak because that you know we talk about confidence, but that does a lot for a horse's confidence when when they now three times in a row have have you know gone on and, and won really well. So I think. Um, I think Otto the Conqueror is going to be a lot harder to beat than maybe that Springboard Mile, uh, you know, Remington Park line might suggest, because I know it was one of his lowest, one of his lower numbers, but I think he, you know, you can only race what shows up in the race and you can only beat what shows up in the race. So I think Otto the Conqueror is going to be a lot harder to beat than, than people might give him credit for. Yeah, I, um. I like Otto the Conqueror a lot. My my concern here with him and with Carbone, uh, which is the horse I would love to see win. There's a lot of speed in this race. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got a lot that are going to be going right to the front here. I think Carbone being one of those. Uh, Windstock is going to go right out to the lead. Otto the Conqueror is going to want to be on or right on the lead. Um, I expect Maycox Bay is going to get out there and go early. And um, that's going to put a lot of pressure on these front runners. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think that I uh, will probably back uh, liberal arts coming from off pace. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, again, it, it's, you know, there's some time off there that you got to worry about, but 
um, I, I think that this race could set up really nicely uh, for him. Now, any one of those horses gets out there on on their own, and and everybody and all the riders have been told don't don't go to the lead, don't get in the speed duel. Yep. Uh, then <laughs> then it's you know if one of them gets out there alone and then forget it. I think yeah, I, I think you know Carbone if he got out there by himself could win it. Winstock if he gets out there by himself could win it. Otto the Conqueror out there by himself could win it. I just can't see that yeah. happening in this particular in this particular scenario. I think I think they're going to be they're not going to get be able to get out there and and go by themselves. Well, then it might also potentially open things for for a horse, let's say like Magic Grant, who's coming in with behind you know from behind out of the Conqueror, but this horse has been closing from like ten lengths and last. And he's, you know, and he, and where he closed from eighth and he was 10 off the pace, you know, almost heading into the stretch and, and he won by four and a half. So, I mean, that is, and yeah, it is Remington Park, but I think with people becoming so desperate to get their horses racing and to get, you know, these entries going, I think, cause we just had this conversation the other day at, at my other job about how the competition and some of these what used to be kind of like the summer tracks where you kind of sent the horses where you know they're not 100% painting out to what you wanted them to be but they're you know they're not you don't want to drop them in, into into any of the like the 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 uh the smaller tracks you know we just had this conversation that the profile at some of these at these races for these maidens and these allowance races and, and especially now at places like Tampa like the competition has gone up so much because people are, are are needing their races to go and it's getting harder and harder to fill. And I would argue that people are less and less inclined to start racing in these claiming races because, you know, and we've discussed kind of why, um, before on, on the podcast and in one of our episodes, I think it was the, um, one of the claiming episodes that we did, you know, so I think places like Remington park, you know, where, where Steve Asmussen consistently uses it as a springboard for his horses, you know, I think we might have to give them a little bit more stock than that 30 to 1 suggests. Because I, I will certainly be interested. Like you said, there might absolutely be a pace meltdown. And, you know, somebody's got to pick it up. And somebody's got to gotta collect the pieces together. And I think it sets up really well also for Magic Grant to kind of shock some people and, and run a little bit better than, than his, you know, his numbers and, and his his speed figures have been suggesting he might run. Well, let's, let's jump on over to Gulfstream Park and talk about the Holy Bull. It is a much uh, smaller field of eight. Mm-hmm. And um, I think fierceness has scared off a lot of the major competition. Uh, I suspect you're right. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, again, yeah, we got eight races or eight horses in the race. The Holy Bull, it's a mile and a 16th on the dirt. Uh, last race on the card. Um, fierceness being the BC juvenile winner, uh, the only time that he's, he's run three times and, you know, one of those, his second start was at Aqueduct in the slop, uh, going a mile and it was an absolute disaster in the champagne. He ran seventh beaten by 20 and a half, uh, 20 and a quarter links comes back to win the BC juvenile by more than six links. Um, so and then he's been off since then. Again, he's with Todd Pletcher. Uh, Johnny Velasquez is up for him, owned by Rapoli Stables. Um, man, he just looks, on paper, he looks much the best in this field. Yeah, I think I think the discrepancy here between 
the different uh just just i think the discrepancy here between pay on paper at least it is a little bit more pronounced than it was in the southwest i think the southwest is a little closer together in terms of of horses that we think could have a fighting chance or have, have a potential where it's like here it kind of looks like we're handicapping for second <laughs> well on paper at least again on paper but like we have no way of telling you you know what what this horse has you know how he's responding if, if if he's enjoying it like his work suggests that he's been he's been doing pretty well he posted a bullet on on january the 20th but i mean we, we've had morning glories before so um sometimes horses decide that that you know that they do and they don't so i guess we're, the only way we're going to find out is when this race goes and then we'll kind of find out which fierceness we're going to see is it going to be you know the the aqueduct where it potentially could have been the sloppy track which also raises the question it seems to rain at derby every year <laughs> so yeah. you know i think the concern is if he is that much worse on on which but he also had a lunch start and like i think gate issues like yeah it's the beginning of the race but if they're bad enough i think gate issues can absolutely hamper a horse but i mean this you know good horses find ways to win and i think he should have been a little closer than 20 lengths off the winner so i i, I mean again we'll find out but i i personally like hades i know that's gonna be the weird thing to say but i like the florida bread <laughs> no i florida bread's not uh not done terribly down at the at gulf stream you know it's um he's he's won both of his races the first being a maiden optional uh 50 and then the second being a state bread allowance mm -hmm. uh you know he won that state bread allowance easy yeah uh you know this is an awesome slew uh colt um which is an awesome gelding, again. i'm sorry a, a gelding sorry yep. um he was a hundred thirty thousand dollar two-year-old and uh yeah, i guess you get a 200 get a hundred thirty thousand dollars for an awesome slew uh of any age you're doing pretty well quite mm -hmm. frankly so well, and somebody saw um, something yeah, so he's clearly a nice, uh, nice animal, and and put in a nice, uh, nice breeze down there for at that sale, and uh, yeah, I, I think why not? I, I, I like him <laughs> as well as anything I see. And Joe Orsino, he can he can get you some winners. So um, this will be very interesting. And, and Paco Lopez uh, is going to be up for him, and Paco is going to get him out of the gate, and they're going to go and play. Come catch me if you can. Oh yeah, I mean and. I think also this is this is one of those races that has the polar opposite problem where all the closers seem to have come here <laughs> because like C Streak like C Streak has has kind of won from everywhere he's closed from sixth and then he's won from the stalking position so I I think this is one of those things where if you have a speed horse who really wants to go on on Gulfstream's track you're you're gonna be you're gonna have to fight a little harder to kind of reel them in especially a horse that has shown that he absolutely likes this track i mean yeah it is state bred competition but it's like again you know you can only you can only race where your conditions allow you sometimes so i think that he posted an in, in, in 84 and you know he he's by an, an a sire who himself is by awesome again who was a wickedly fast horse and he's out of a quality road mare. Like he has a lot of he has business to get better as he gets older and as he matures. So um I think Hades is gonna surprise a lot of people. And I, I think the Florida breads, people forget, you know, the, the Florida breads, the Florida program sourced us. I think I even did a story on this. The Florida breads sourced us a lot 
of our Kentucky Derby winners, of some of our, the best sires that, you know, the, the, this half of our hemisphere has ever known. So it's like, you know, I, I would not discount any horse for, for where they're bred, especially if it's a New York or a Florida bred, like those, those state programs, when they hit, they hit like a train. They can absolutely produce a very good horse. So, and uh, how about that New Jersey bread, Sea Streak that you mentioned a little bit ago? Yeah, New Jersey bread. That's not one you see every day on the Derby Trail. No, it isn't. But it's like, but he's you know he's never been off the board. He puts up numbers that put him consistently in this group, where fierceness is kind of the outlier here, which understandably so. This is the juvenile champion. Um, but I mean, the, the New Jersey bred puts up numbers as good as anybody else, you know, and, and he comes in here on, I think just, he, he, he's got, he's got the recency that I think sure. some of these, some of these horses don't have. Like he ran 30 days ago, which the, the beginning of the, of the month, which is right as the year turned. Um, so he has, he has that recency where some of these, you know, horses, and hey, we could say Hades because December the thirty first and January the first really aren't that different. But you know, I I think the fact that he came back in in a stakes race, they wanted to try, they wanted to take that jump. I think it says a lot. And like they debuted him in a stakes race and he ran second. So and it's an open stakes. It wasn't a state bred for for just for New Jersey bred. Like it was an open stakes. So and it was behind Bookum Dano, who's on his way to the Saudi the Saudi Cup, or, or I think the Derby, one of the two. So I mean that's that's. That's impressive to me as anything else is like, like understandably Kentucky breads are, are where people go to, to get all of these really good horses. But like, I, I firmly believe that a lot of state programs deserve more credit sometimes than they get because they absolutely produce good horses. And, and you actually got the inveigled in is a, is a Indiana bread. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got no more time. It's an Iowa bread. Um, and you That's got the New Jersey bread and the Florida bread. So you got all kinds of state breads in here. Yeah. What about Otello? Otello. Uh, the three horse. Yeah. Uh, he's by Curlin. He's only only run twice, mm -hmm. but he's by Curlin out of an Escondrea mare. Uh, he ran twice. He broke his maiden at first asking back in November, going a mile at Aqueduct. Uh, then he won the Mucho Macho Man listed stakes going a mile here at Gulfstream, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the figure speed figures aren't, and they're not terrible, but you know, when it got an 80, the first one got a 76 in the mucho macho man. Uh, but he's by Curlin. He's another one that, that, uh, you know, he got, he should get better as he moves forward. Uh, he's trained by Christoph Clement owned by Windstar farm and Sienna farms. Yep. Um, yeah, crazier things have happened that's for sure well i mean it's it, it, it's not like the class is missing like his damn like yeah she she raced and and was was a turf horse her entire career but she was she's by a sire who himself was was kind of by a, a turfy sire escondorea was was is by giants causeway but and, and she's out of a british mare but like escondorea himself at one point i, I believe was the derby favorite before he had to scratch so th this to me is kind of one of those pedigrees where they could, I, I feel like he could be really anything. And I think that's kind of the, the struggle they, they might be having with him where he's just, it, it could be potentially that he is just so good that even if dirt is not his preferred surface, because he's by, he's, he's by, he's a curlin, 
who's a, who's the son of Smart Strike and uh, uh, Mark provided a, yeah, like Mark uh, Mark provided us a very good kind of sire analysis of of the Smart Strike line in in the prior episode. If you guys want to go listen to that, but it's it, it's going to be very interesting. Like uh, he's you know, and Winstar Winstar and Sienna partner on horses where they absolutely feel are 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 worth the investment in. So I think that the fact that these two have partnered again on on a horse they probably believe has a lot of has a lot of potential, a lot of good qualities to him, um, does a lot, you know. And it's it, Christoph Christoph Clement is is one of the the just remarkably just talent wonderfully talented trainers. He's one of the good guys in the game, and I always like to see Christoph Clement get really really good horses and and just have them run off the screen because like i i'm always gonna be a champion for the folks who've always done it the right way and keep doing it the right way so and he ought to be sitting just off the pace uh, if he can get some pace uh, that, yeah. that's gonna be the question i think he will i think i think hades and fierceness have a chance that they will be out front together um possibly and uh, if he gets if attila gets a, a pace to run at i think he's going to be very very dangerous yeah um you know you got dancing groom uh zavino rosso uh, you know there he, he broke his maiden at saratoga uh again that was an off the turf event you know i don't know if he was entered uh, as a main track only or uh or you know, how that worked out he has not shown anything since then uh, i was gonna say considering if you look at the number of scratches and you look at how big the field actually was i suspect he may have been he may have have been um, part of the the main track only entries, right? Because for a scratched off turf like that, that's still a pretty hefty field. There's no way they were going to squeeze, you know, seventeen horses out of that turf course. <laughs> right. So, uh, so you got that, and then you know he he was he he ran third, beaten ten links uh, in, in the Champagne, and then um, at Churchill, the Kentucky Jockey. Um, the jockey cup. club yeah jockey club gosh i always want to say cup uh <laughs> he ran six beating 15 links so hasn't shown a whole lot since then yeah, i think this is you know, i'm not saying that they won't keep trying after this uh junior our, our good friend junior alvarado's on this uh mm -hmm. on this horse so uh you know we wish him and certainly wish him the best though we wish we could have convinced him to uh come over to tampa bay that day and 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 run on irish eight right on irish aces but yep. uh, we we didn't have any luck uh doing that and i guess i can't blame him uh but then you've got uh um no more time that's the iowa bread we mentioned uh he's won once and hit the board a couple times or hit the board once he ran fifth in the mucho macho man last out uh you know this is gonna this is one of those where i think he's they're taking a shot mm. um you know he's not just it's not completely crazy on paper. Um, he's just going to have to show me a whole lot more before I get too excited about him. Yeah. Um, domestic product, Clarevich Stables, Chad Brown, uh, Practical Joke, Colt. Um, That's Clarevich and Chad Brown all over the page yep. right there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he, he broke his maiden at Aqueduct and then ran seventh, beating 16 uh, in the Remsen. So... You know, probably not what they're hoping for out of this cult, uh, but maybe you know, maybe he's one that, you know, that that maybe he just needs a little more time to 
to figure things out. Uh, he's probably got a little bit of talent, um, but he's coming in off a little bit of a layoff. Um, I, you know, I'm going to have to see more again on him. Um, and then uh, we've talked about Pearson, and we've talked a little bit about C-Streak. So yep. that is the field for the Holy Bull. Unfortunately, we don't yet have the field for the Bob Lewis nope. or the uh, the Withers. I would expect those to be out later today, along with our entries for the Tampa Bay Stakes, where Irish Aces should be able to draw in. There were a good number of horses that were nominated that were ahead of us on preference that uh, ran over the weekend. So yep. we're hoping that we're we're sitting pretty and. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm 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 excited. I can't wait to can't wait to see the field. Can't wait to see how how it looks, and um, can't wait to see him run. I know he's just been training like an absolute freight train down there. Yeah, I've been I've been reading some of like the updates that occasionally get sent out, and it's like they it's like we can't. There's not enough good superlatives in the dictionary for him at this point. Like he's just feeling so good. I'm just I'm I'm bummed that we kind of had the the jockey musical chairs though like I I'm I'm hoping that that kind of once he if he you know steps out and he does you know put in a great showing for himself and he and he puts in a really good run a really strong run that maybe we'll we'll be able to find somebody who will be like all right you know who who might be turning down other mounts for ours like that would be nice to finally be that preference you know <laughs> yeah and there, there's just so many stakes races there are let's see there's one two three four grade stakes races at yep. Gulfstream that day yeah and you know uh, i read you know says he wants to ride irish aces again tyler has been on him for a work or two and just says he's uh i think the last comment i got from tyler was he's a beast um but you know those guys got they've got stakes in multiple or got rides in multiple graded stakes races throughout the day and uh, so yeah Certainly can't fault them for making a, a business decision and, and going for more big mounts as opposed to just one big mount. So, yeah. um, you know, best of luck to all those guys. Hope they have a have a great day and and it makes it worth it. Uh, but we're gonna give a we're gonna give a Leonel Reyes a shot. At least that's the last that I heard. Um, I don't think that's changed since then. But, um, <laughs> uh, I'm just again really looking forward to it. Uh, it, it, you know, it's going to depend on who shows up. It, it is it is a tough, tough group that was nominated, many of which have not run uh, recently. Um, Cyclone Rangers, full brother Moe's is nominated. That'll be um, interesting. And we've also got, uh, there's another horse that we, ah, so frustrating. Santorini, uh, he was a winner last out, I believe at Turfway and an allowance and we tried to buy him uh, we were looking at him in the horses bracing gauge sale back in i guess the july sale at phasing tipton and there we were partnering with uh, two other people and mark and i were all in and one of the other guys was all in and the third guy's like i don't see what you guys are looking at in this horse i'm not interested at all and he's just been that horse has been tearing up the track ever since then so unfortunately we didn't get him but he's he's nominated i don't know if they'll make the trip down to tampa or not because uh, i know he's been at uh, turfway all or he's been at turfway for a while now but it's a tough tough potentially a tough field just have to see who shows up yep 
Well, and you know, mm-hmm. if we need to, we'll we'll get back in and pop out a special bonus episode if we once we get those out. If you guys want one, so tell us in the comments if you would like a bonus episode of of the uh, <laughs> of, of a Tampa the... Bay Stakes preview. Yeah, I guess we can do that. We can we can throw in a bonus episode on yeah. Friday maybe and, and talk about the 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 other two prep races and and the, yeah. and the Tampa Bay. Well, I mean, right, I, I feel uh, like I feel like that's good. Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like that'd be worth our our, our time and our whiles because we only got through two of them and we're already over time. So, <laughs> um, and you got to be somewhere. Yeah, so let's, I got to go. wrap this sucker up. Yeah. So as you heard, folks, this we'll call this the first half of our weekend preview. But thanks, you know, thanks so much for for tuning in for this first half. Make sure that you tune in on on. We're gonna try and have it drop probably Saturday morning, if not late Friday. But make sure you tune in for the second half of that. You definitely not want to miss those. It's gonna be a lot of really good racing this weekend, so it's definitely worth. Uh, if you're gonna if you tune in for anything, if you want to just tune in for for the turf racing, that's always an exciting event. So, but make sure you guys tune in. Make sure you guys are uh, following us on all of our social media pages. We're everywhere. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're under Pocket Aces Racing. We're also we've also started posting some stuff up on the YouTube. So make sure you hit that bell so you are getting those notifications. But other than that, have a happy Wednesday, have a good Wednesday. Make good choices until I remind you again on Friday or Saturday. And uh, podcast is out.